again, Gator Nation, and welcome to a special Gator Softball Women's College World Series episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Kinds Weather, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. Got a very special guest on with me today to talk about the Gator Softball team's trip to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. But before she comes on, as always, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. As usual, we are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. Of course, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans, uses those donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game in the swamp. We pay for flights, for rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear, swag, and just make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are looking for someone to send to the swamp in 2022 for the Gators game against Missouri on October 8th. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us, gatorgoodfoundation at gmail.com. We are also looking for donations to donate to our cause please go to our website, gatorgoodfoundation.com, and click on the donate button. And while you're on the website, you can also look around the site and see some of the campaigns we've done in previous years. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingberry Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business. Can't really think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And number two, it's run by a Florida Gator fan. So not only do they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. So with that said, time to talk Gators. And we have to start with the fact that Gator tennis player Ben Shelton won the individual NCAA singles tournament. Florida did fall short as a team in the Elite Eight, unfortunately, to Virginia, who eventually won it all. That was... Pretty devastating, but Ben Shelton did win the individual NCAA singles title. That gives Florida back-to-back national title winners in that event after fellow Gator Sam Riffis did it last year. And like Sam Riffis last year, Shelton gets a wild card into the U.S. Open tennis tournament main draw by virtue of winning that tournament. So just before Gator football starts on September 3rd against Utah, As a little Gator sports appetizer, Shelton will be in the U.S. Open tennis tournament representing not only his country, but the University of Florida. That is the week before and after Labor Day, two-week event um, at the end of August and start of September, so keep your eyes out for that. Second, Gator baseball got its draw for the NCAA baseball tournament. Florida is a host team. They do get the number 13 overall seed in the field after a nice run through Hoover. 
Won't spend too much time on this since our guest is waiting and since softball is in the Women's College World Series, and they are definitely our primary focus, um, but Gator Baseball is in the NCAA Tournament. That is definitely a noteworthy event, so got to talk about it real quick. First things first, I, I, I have been hearing a lot about how hard Florida's road is and how loaded their regional is. Uh, I, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, it's – Yes, it's the NCAA tournament. There's no such thing as a cupcake. So if Florida messes around, they they walk a lot of people. The bats go dead. They kick the ball around in the field. Yeah, they'll probably lose, and they'll probably lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. But at least to me, the regional just doesn't seem to be any harder than most other regionals, uh, put it that way. Oklahoma is the two seed in the regional. They got hot in the Big 12 tournament, which kind of inflated their perceived worth. They were pretty solid two seed. You know, they're they're a good team, but the sum of their season, even when you weigh the recent results more than the results from February and March, don't really tell me that this is a team that should be hosting like some people seem to think. Their pitching is pretty suspicious to me. They have a 5.57 team ERA for the year, which is 140th in the country and for perspective florida for all the pitching problems that we've had has a 4.17 team era that is 30th in the country and we're in the sec and they're not oklahoma's offense is good it's not what i'd call great it's 47th in the country with a 297 team batting average and again that's in the big 12 which only got five teams into the tournament florida hit 273 on the year, which is obviously less than that. But again, that was in the SEC, which put nine teams into the field. Probably should have been one more in there, honestly. I thought Kentucky really got gypped. But anyway, that's Oklahoma. Liberty, also in the regional. Yeah, they beat us two out of three. But that was four months ago. That was February. And this is June now. That was before Brandon Sprout became a reliable starter. That was before Brandon Neely had ever stepped on a college mound that was before jack caglionone had been inserted into the lineup for florida that was before wyatt langford really started seeing the ball well and just went on a tear uh so you know yeah they beat us two out of three that's great they they can keep that in their record books but that series result doesn't really mean a whole lot to me so not something that i think a lot of fans should spend time psyching themselves out over uh, Liberty is definitely the opposite type of team from Oklahoma. They have a good pitching staff. It's not one I'd call elite by any means. They do not have an offense that scares me whatsoever. They are in a, a two bid league in the a sun. It, it's them and Kennesaw state in the NCAA tournament. And, and that's it. And despite them playing in the Atlantic sun and Florida playing in the sec, Florida has the higher team batting average and central Michigan Yes, they won 40 games, but go look at who they played. Go to Central Michigan's website and look at their baseball schedule, and uh, that that should pretty much tell you everything you need to know about them. Definitely with some um, what I would call sus results, some, some definitely some suspicious, some suspect results in there um, within their 42 and 17 overall record. So looking at the regional overall, before we welcome in our special guest, it is a baseball regional in the NCAA tournament. There are going to be good teams in there. There's no bad team in the NCAA tournament. You either have conference champions like Central Michigan, 
well, conference tournament champions. Um, but you, you either have teams that won their conference tournament or teams that were good enough throughout the course of the year to earn their way in as at-large teams. There will not be a bad team in there. I would much prefer the draw that Florida got to the one that Georgia Southern got with Texas Tech and Notre Dame. I, that 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 is just brutal. Notre Dame should be a top 16 seed. They could make a case for a top eight seed, really. Got really effed over by the committee. Texas Tech should be a regional two seed, but they're the three seed in that regional. Georgia Southern has to deal with both of them potentially. So Florida avoids those two. We avoid Georgia Tech. That team can mash the baseball, by the way. We avoid a really good pitching team in FSU that that could shut us down. We avoid another all-around really good team in TCU. So it could be so much worse for Florida than it actually is. I will happily take my chances with Oklahoma and Liberty and Central Michigan, knowing that it, it could have been much worse than it actually is. So that's a super quick baseball preview. If Florida baseball gets to a super regional, we will spend much more time on them, but they definitely take a backseat to Gator softball today because they are in the Women's College World Series, and we have a special guest on to talk about that. Lauren Hager is arguably the Florida softball goat, played a huge role on two national title teams in 2014 and 2015, back-to-back. She was the Honda Sports Award winner in 2015. That is the best female collegiate athlete in any sport in a given academic year. She's Florida's all-time home run queen with 71 career bombs, nicknamed Hager Bombs, actually. Um, one, of, one of my favorite nicknames for anything Gator-related. Florida's all-time RBI queen by far, 260 career RBI, second place just for perspective, Francesca Inea has 221, so a 39 RBI difference there between one and two. She is the only player in organized softball to ever hit 70-plus career homers and record 70-plus pitching wins in a career. In fact, the only baseball player to ever do that in college or pro ball was Babe Ruth. She was a two-time first-team All-American, and plenty more accomplishments that would take us all day to go through. Her name is littered throughout the Florida Gator Softball Media Guide. She's here with us today. Lauren, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the All Kinds Weather Forecast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like I listened to your episode last week with Jen, and like very closely, and she's a friend of mine, and so when you asked me to be on, I was really excited, and I'm excited to talk about the Gators. Of course, of course. Well, you, you are uh, you are definitely one of Florida's goats, if not the goat. So the honor is, is on our end to have you on. Uh, just ran through all those stats there uh, of yours, and I think that's like a good place to start. Maybe for maybe for some some newer Gator softball fans, um, we'd like to start off our interviews with guests with this segment that we call the lightning round. Do not let the word lightning fool you. It is a play on our weather theme. So if you feel free to go into as much or as little detail as you'd like. And I think the best way to go is, is chronological order to give listeners sort of a walkthrough of, of your life and your story. So uh, first question is always the same, except for Jen's case, because she didn't go to Florida. But in your case, you did. So why did you become a Florida Gator? Why did I become a Florida Gator? So um, I'm like a lot, I feel like of Florida Gators, I did not grow up a Florida fan. I was nowhere near like 
a Gator. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, so I grew up an Arizona State fan. And so the first time I had really heard of the Gators was when they came to Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl in 2009. You would know that better than me. What year was that? It was 2006 season, so January season. of 07. Yes. Okay. I knew, I knew you would know that. Um, that's the first time I, you know, really heard of the Gators and, and I really even knew that they existed, to be honest. I mean, you, that's pretty far away and I hadn't really followed a ton of sports other than college football at the time. And if you were a softball fan, you were in Arizona, you were an Arizona fan or a UCLA fan. So especially in that kind of time period. So I, you know, through travel ball, played in California all the time and um, was getting interest from schools all over the country. And, you know, Florida came up and I think it was Coach Rocha that saw me first, or I'm pretty sure that's what she said. Um, and so kind of got in touch with my travel ball coach and, you know, they said that Florida was interested in me and I was like, okay. And so actually that 2007 was the first year that they had gone to the Women's College World Series. And so I saw them on, was that 2008? I don't even know. I'm so old at this point. Can't it was remember 2000 it was their first trip. and eight was there. It was the eight. 70 okay, and yeah. five year. Oh, uh, yes. seven. So they lost in the Supers. Yes. So 2008 was the spring of my freshman year of high school. And so I had saw them play at the World Series and so kind of put them on the map for me. And I was, I had a lot of my options open, but I knew in my heart that I wanted to go away to school and that college football was a huge priority in my house. And I love college football. So in that regard, I took a few visits to the SEC schools. And when I went to Florida, I just felt greatness right away. It's, you know, not realizing every team competes for national championships every single year. And as a true contender of it, was really really you know so cool to me I saw the swamp for the first time and completely fell in love but I mean coach Walton and coach Rocha were exactly what I needed to see how good I could be I thought that they could really bring whatever else that needed to be out of me out of me and it worked out for the good and I have obviously no regrets um, I had the best experience at Florida and so I would say college football and coach Rocha and coach Walton and just the greatness that the whole university and athletics, you know, brings to the table. Yeah. Well, UF is, is the everything school. That is what we call ourselves mentioned uh, Ben Shelton, the Gator tennis player winning the national title and in the individual singles before he came on Gator baseball uh, gets a hosting spot in the baseball tournament. So that's the thing about UF. Um, I mean, they're, they're always going to have teams that are in the mix for national titles in all sports football being the most prominent one. But uh, as you know, there, there are more sports than just football that, that have a lot of, have a, have a lot of love behind them. So a um, special question for you that obviously we can't ask everyone because you did two very different things within your sport at a very high level. And, and I know some girls do that in high school that they pitch and they hit and obviously fielding and hitting are different sorts of skills and in other sports like in basketball rebounding versus shooting a jump shot different sorts of skills you have to be good at them all but pitching and hitting are about as diametrically opposed I think as you can kind of get in terms of two skills within the same sport and you just don't see a lot of girls do that at the college level I mean you were you were the unicorn so to speak so 
how were you able to focus so much time and effort and energy on these completely polar opposite skills throughout for me first as your childhood and then when you got to uf how, how did you continue to excel in both these areas yeah i get this question a lot obviously and i think throughout the years it's it's kind of changed a little bit now that i've been in the sport and out of the sport and teaching the sport i seem to find new things about myself that kind of takes me back to like oh that's probably a big reason why i was good at doing both number one was just because i wanted to be a part of the game at all times i loved softball as a kid and it was you know my world um and it was so fun to do both i wanted to be involved all the time that's you know something that i think every little kid wants is they want the ball all the time um and so that definitely kept me going as when i was a kid and it wasn't all smooth sunshine and rainbows for me as a pitcher when i was little i was a little late to the game i was 12 when i really started pitching competitively and i give you know lessons full time to girls who are nine eight nine years old and then i've had them for four years now and they're at the age that i was when i started and i see how that can kind of feel like you're way behind and so i was always an infielder and i was always a hitter throughout that time and so when I did start to pitch and really commit to it, it wasn't something that I was just going to leave behind. I wasn't going to leave behind hitting because I loved hitting and I loved playing infield. And as a kid, I just wanted to be a part of everything. I think as I got older, the commitment was definitely something that was different than everybody else's in regards to the volume that I was committing to. It was, you know, hitting six days a week, pitching four days a week and with practices and everything in between. And that's a lot for some people. That's a lot. It's a lot mentally. It's a lot physically. And I, I just loved it. And I just wanted to do both. Um, and without having anybody, I didn't really have anyone telling me that one was only an option. And I think that that was nice that I was surrounded by coaches and my parents that always believed that I could do both. And then as I got into my recruiting process, I told my dad that that is something when we talked to these coaches, that was very important to me. I had worked so hard to get to that point where I was doing both at such a high level that I wasn't just going to forget about one. And I loved them both. And I was willing to put in the work to do both. Um, it didn't scare me. It just seemed normal to me because I had been doing it my whole life. So, you know, taking my visits everywhere, that's something that I talked about with every single coach that I, you know, got an offer from. And luckily all of them were very open to it. Um, I'll never forget coach Walton kind of telling a story of, you know, I'm, he saw me pitch and then I came up the, as the third hitter and he saw me hit. And I think that he kind of just fell in love with like the presence and my size and my strength in both and being able to do both. So then getting into college, it really hit me with how much work it was going to be. I think that I wasn't, I didn't come into Florida as great of a pitcher as I think Coach Walton had had for me and in Coach Rocha, but I did know how to manage my time and i didn't know if everyone knew how to manage my time right with pitching and hitting and practice and me playing first base and you know coach walton having such a big priority for defense and this, the time we spend on defense that it was cutting into like bullpen time and hitting time and it was just a lot to manage and i think it was a lot for me and as coach walton has said in an interview before i was good at all of them but i wasn't great at any of them and i think that that was there was a point in my career where we felt like we had to get rid of one. And when I got to kind of stop defensively, I felt like 
a weight was lifted off my shoulders in regards to like, I really had time to focus on these things. Now I was staying, you know, hitting after and pitching before, and it, it requires so much time, but I almost felt like it got easier for me and him to understand that hitting Lauren and pitching Lauren were different people. And I had to treat myself as different people. Different and, people entirely. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I think I, I, mean, I haven't really got to talk to a lot of, you know, great hitting pitchers in softball yet, like to pick their brain about this kind of stuff. But it's something that I'm super interested in and pitching Lauren and hitting Lauren, they practice differently. They receive criticism differently. They accept failure differently. They accept, you know, positive things differently. And so it was, it took a little bit to kind of navigate that to make sure that I was able to like, you know, recover from striking out with bases loaded and then, Oh, now you have to get the next three outs. And that's what it's, that's what's expected of you. Um, and that's hard. That's hard to do. And it's hard to put the time in. But I also think that it's different if you've never coached a two-way player. It could be really hard to get everything out of them that you can. Um, and so there was a lot of tri trial and error, I feel like, in those four years. And it just wasn't my time yet, I think, as a pitcher all the way. Like, Hannah Rogers – Hannah Rogers like she was on fire and it was amazing to watch her do that and I had you know I was that was the Saturday girl she was the Friday Sunday girl and it was awesome I got to play all the time because I got to hit so it was her time and obviously our first national championship as a program I literally no regrets there at all she was amazing and then when it got to be my time I ran with it I got rid of playing in the infield and got to completely redesign and restructure my bullpens with coach Rocha. And I think that that completely changed why I was able to do both at such a high level and really take my pitching to the next level. I think my hitting was there, but being able to really take it up with being able to go through a lineup three times really changed my career as a whole. You know, your hitting was there. Don't, don't worry. I, I have <laughs> enough, I have enough positive memories of you from that, that, that 13 season was, was elite. you you were very good in 14. Um, the, the 13 season you were just mashing and, and 15, obviously, you know, Honda sports award isn't, isn't a mistake. So, you know, you, you got that for a reason. Um, so the next question that we always ask is not really fair to you because you won two national championships but the the question is what was your favorite gator victory to be a part of as a player so we'll talk about the natties momentarily but aside from those two what was your favorite win as a gator player um oh my gosh as like annoying as this is we were lucky enough to win a lot of games <laughs> and they all kind of like run together at some point. I think one of my favorite victories, um, and it's easy to talk about because it was obviously in my senior year, which was my last scene, like my last year was semifinals against Auburn. Um, that was one of the toughest games we played. I felt like, you know, through the world series, it was the first time that I felt nervous. I was like, Oh God, they're hitting me. <laughs> they're hitting me hard. And I, and I hadn't experienced that a ton throughout the season. Um, and so there was a game plan switch in the middle and it was something that coach, it was the first time where I felt like I had spoken up and saying like, I thought, I feel like I want to do this because coach Rocha and I were always on such the same page all the time. My senior year, 
that we switched something up. Like we switched pitch call and like our attack on these hitters middle of the game. And it completely changed the game for, for me and the team. Um, but also it was one of the first times my senior year that I was like, especially hitting wise, I don't know. I, I didn't have a great game at the plate and my teammates were amazing and completely stepped it up. And I was like, so excited and I was so proud of them. And I just felt like if I could go in and get three outs every single inning that we were going to have a chance, regardless if I was hitting or not, I just felt good about it. So right now that's the first one that comes to mind, but I'm sure it's a good one. Yeah, 60 more like I am so lucky to have won so many but it was the first time where I was like all right like we got to do something different because I'm struggling <laughs> there was I, I, there there were three others that I thought uh, that was one of them I thought there were three others you might pick there was a game against FSU where you won the, the game after which your teammates come up behind you with these brooms and they start going like that like like oh, oh we slept <laughs> That was one. I thought the Kentucky Super Regional Game 2, the 1-0 shutout win, and I thought maybe the, the Women's College World Series win the year before over Oregon might have been the one. The, the yeah. One that, I mean, you have a lot of good ones. Like, I you're have a not, lot of good ones. I didn't pitch that Oregon game out. You hit, though. I did. I did. I hadn't hit, and it, I did. I think as a team, that might be one of my favorite wins of all time. Like, I don't feel like I even contributed a ton to that. Bailey Castro had the yeah. first home run of that game and just blew it open. And then that was amazing. That that was really, really fun. Well, that wow, was the setup. Thanks for bringing back the memories. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. That's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about <laughs> the good times that, that you had. Uh, we, ha- we have some some good times with the current team that we're going to talk about momentarily. Um but now we got to talk about those two natties. I, I set that up. I can't not ask about it. You won two national championships at Florida. Florida had never, before Tim Walton came along, never really came close. They had, I think, a, a stray SEC title in, in 98, but never really challenged for the national title. Tim Walton comes along. They're in the college rules, women's college rules series almost every year. They cannot break over the hump, though, until that junior year of yours, 2014, 2015. So, Hard to ask you to to compare the two. I know they're both special in their own ways, but talk a little bit about what it meant to to finally be part of that team that that broke through and won it in fourteen, and then to be the leader of the team that went back to back the following year with a a record setting year for yourself personally. Yeah, you said it. You said it completely that they both hold such a different special place in my heart. The first one was like, oh my God, I just fulfilled every childhood dream that I could ever fulfill. I cried. I was emotional. Um, That year was so special for so many of us. Um, But especially for Hannah, I think that Hannah changed. We had, that was the first year we had gotten swept since I had been a Florida Gator by Tennessee. And at that point in the season, we were like, I feel like no one, no one's radar on our radar that, you know, we were going to win a national championship. Um, Our pitching staff had like a complete wake up call and we had, it's the first time I'm just going (laughs) to, it's the first time I saw coach Rocha, the angel that she is bring a clipboard, (laughs) which I'll never forget for the life of me, but it's a huge turning point in our season because coach Walton sat us all down. He's like, we need to do something different. What do we need to do? And so, 
you know, Coach Roach as the pitching coach queen as she is, and Coach Walton, the preparation and detail. Um, and Hannah just, like, switched. Like, that girl just came into attack mode, everybody's out mode. You can never see it on her face, never smiled, never looked mad, never looked upset, just stone cold ice in her veins. Hannah Rogers came out. And um, at that point it was, you know, everyone buying into their jobs and what they were good at. And so that was like, for me, my experience of just like, wow, I really, my dream has come true. This is all I've ever wanted. And then still having a year left of eligibility and, getting to be a senior and having been there two years um, really made a huge difference. I think in postseason for all of us experience is real when it comes to postseason. Um, now that I've been out of it, I really understand that that's a real thing, but I think senior year was a little bit of a wake up call. And later on into, you know, before the spring season started, Coach Walton and I kind of came, you know, had our, um, meeting going into Christmas break and he was kind of telling me where I was at and I didn't like where he said I was at um when it came to being what number I was in the pitching staff and I was like oh crap I was not expecting him to say that me thinking that just I'm going to be the number one pitcher in that role and that's not necessarily what he said and maybe he knew what he was doing because <laughs> he knows who I am um but I also needed a change up and like learn, I learned to change up in like a month with coach Rocha and I got a start at Alabama that I wasn't supposed to get. And I shut out Alabama at home for the first time in like two years. And then that was it. And it just rolled in that national championship met more for me. Like it's more my favorite because I feel like I really had to work and work through something to get it. Um, not that, national championships come easy or anything like that. But personally that was kind of, and that's why that one is a little bit more special to me in regards to where I started to where I ended um, in that year and the role that I took on. I also just don't like to lose and I'm super competitive and I take losses really personal and I just, I'm vulnerable. I think that's also it. Um, so for me, those were my two experiences with the national championships everybody's going to have their own story, but they're two national championships and they will be something that I would take every individual accolade away to have because I realize how rare it is. Well, luckily you don't have to, to make a trade because you've got the yes. individual accolades <laughs> on top of that all. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, in, in fairness, you, you, you were, obviously an elite player, but you had help. I mean, you had Kelsey Stewart, you had an Aubrey Monroe, you had a lot of pieces there um, to, to help you out. And I think that's something that a lot of people, I, I think that they remember the, the team for it. wasn't like, it wasn't like a situation where it was um, kind of like LSU football is the closest thing to a comparison where everyone remembers the name Joe Burrow. And like some people will remember Jamar Chase. Cause I know you're a college football fan, so I can, yeah. I can make that. So it's not like, you know, where the college, the, the average college fan will say, Oh, that was just a Joe Burrow team. It was in, no, he had a lot of help, but not everyone remembers that Gator fans with softball. I don't think think that. And that's, 
that that's a part of why I'm really proud to be a part of this fan base because they remember you, but they also remember the Kelsey Stewart, the Aubrey Monroe, Justine McLean, Nicole DeWitt, the freshman. Talk about that Auburn game. She got that hit to, right. to, to win it. So, so much goes into it beyond, um, you know, just – you know, just, just what you did in your individual accolades. So for anyone who's um, any, anyone who's thinking, well, yeah, she's got all the individual accolades. Uh, she is not, Lauren is not the kind of person that's going to uh, toot her own horn about that. So uh, now the last sort of lightning round intro question um, is one that we typically ask our, our, our guests it does apply in your case because you, you've been removed from the program long enough. What was your favorite Gator softball victory to watch as a fan post Florida? Oh my gosh. Um, Again, there are a lot of choices. I realize that. There's a lot of choices. These are hard. I would say, okay. SEC tournament, Amanda Lorenz. You know, they were playing Alabama in 19, Alabama. 19. That's exactly what it was. I remember watching that. I had just, it was my first year I moved to Charlotte and I actually, Kelsey Horton lives in Charlotte and I actually work at Kelsey Bruder's facility. So we got oh, some wow. beers going on in here. Um, yeah. There's two Honda word plaques up in our facility and Damn. Kelsey is amazing <laughs> at what she does too. So it's pretty cool. But I remember sitting on Kelsey Horton's, um, couch and oh my god that girl doesn't quit and so I just remember her getting that hit out on the outside corner and it just yep. being us going crazy we went absolutely crazy I was tweeting so much it was popping up on ESPN it was just so exciting and um, I was so happy for that team and because I don't even think that was that her senior year wait what year was that yeah 19 yeah, so that was our senior year. So I hadn't played with any of them anyway, like on that team at all. And I think once I stopped, I was watching Gator softball, not with girls I played with. It completely changes it. Like it changes it completely. And you just get so happy. Like you just feel so genuinely happy for them because I don't really know them, but like they're doing it. And it, I don't know. It, that was just a very fun game to watch and I'll never forget it. And Amanda Lorenz is amazing. So she is amazing. That that's definitely one that <laughs> I would have thought would be a semi-finalist for this answer of yours. Okay. I, I am surprised you did not say Jordan Matthews, Texas A&M 2018. I was, I was, I remember I was busy. I wasn't watching that. I saw the replay. Like, well, I saw it after it happened i think i checked the score or something so i didn't get to watch that live uh, so that's so disappointing i know but i that one was insane as well i mean just watching me play i don't remember what i was doing i think i might have still been playing pro ball at the time um i don't know but would have, i know i mean for those of y'all who don't know it, it would have taken something very important for lauren to not be watching that uh they it, play it, a lot of games too and i yeah I'm, for sure I'm busy you know and i, I well that was postseason too i'm on my phone like during lessons like gators are playing but i mean i you know yeah. i have to be, work too sometimes i guess yeah, so. we all we all do that's <laughs> that, that was something that i had to do um a little bit of 
you know, I got the computer here, I got an iPad here, I got an iPhone there when Florida softball and baseball are playing, uh, I think in the, the SEC tournament and then the, 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 the Super Regionals, definitely something we all have to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm also surprised you didn't say, uh, I mean, I understand why, but surprised you didn't say uh, Jamie Hoover's walk-off against Tennessee. Uh, right, or like those are good ones. Those are good too. But there's so many good like, ones, like you there's said. There's so many, and I'm I have a terrible memory. I'm terrible. I can't remember anything. So, um, I actually thought that was pretty good that I thought of that one. To be honest. Well, no, that 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 was a good one. That was uh, yeah. Alabama had swept us that season, so this was a little I bit went, of payback. I was there. Uh, yeah, sorry. Oh well, well, we, hey, I mean, and and they did kind of beat us in the even more important re rematch in in OKC. But we do have a championship trophy from that season, and it, it did come at their expense, even if it's not the one we really wanted. Um, so the last uh, lightning round question I forgot to ask, um, but we asked this to all our guests, regardless. We even asked Jen this: um, What is your favorite Gator jersey color combo? Oh, from today or when I played? Yeah, they're they're similar, but they're not the same. So they're not the same. My favorite when I played: white jersey, blue pants, orange and um, blue and white stirrups. I thought that, that was clean. We had a white belt. Our blue pants had a white stripe, and then our um, stirrups were orange with blue and white stripes. And I just felt like it was gators, but it was clean. And it was, I love white and blue together. I'm kind of like a huge fan of that. Um, so when we do like blue, white, blue, or white, blue, orange, like I'm, I'm good with that. It wasn't like orange and blue, but it was like, everybody knew who it was. I think that That's was true. definitely my favorite. You can't go wrong with black. I know black's a little controversial, but like my favorite color is black. So like, I always was feeling a little different when I was wearing black, but. Okay. That's well, just the competitor in me. I'll I'll say the same thing that I said uh, with with Jen on the pod, uh, and then that is that anyone in any sport in any country can wear black, orange, and blue are, are Florida's colors. They distinguish us. We, we should wear those colors whenever we can. Obviously, with something like Heather Braswell, that's actually the the next question I had for you. But something like that, um, Alex Wilcox, uh, the, the the terrible story of her and, and ovarian cancer, something like that, we wear teal. Obviously, that's a different story. But aside from that, my feeling is when when we're playing, we should we should let the people who are watching know that you know we're the Florida Gators, and orange and blue is a very distinct color combo. I mean, it's either it's also hot in Florida. It's hot. It's true. That's true. So like a white jersey is really nice. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's like, fair. In a playing perspective, I think white, blue, orange was a was good. That was I think a good combination. And I think in baseball and softball, white is like a big like color that's worn all the time. So yeah, baseball um, more so than softball. Softball, you wear you wear colored pants more. Yes. I I don't know why baseball teams are afraid to wear. Uh, like color pants. I mean, because I mean, like in in pro football and pro basketball, you wear colored pants too. It's not like it's like like a male female side of thing. Um, I have a funny story about the orange pants. So when I was a freshman, Coach Walton was like, "We got orange pants this year," and we were like, "Orange pants? Like why would we get orange pants?" And we thought it was like, a terrible idea. He got us the orange pants and we put them on, and we were like, "Dang, he was right." 
these are nice. So that was kind of like where the orange pants came from. It's Coach Walton's idea, and all of us thought it was a terrible idea until we put it on. So then here are the orange pants. We wear them all the time. <laughs> Sometimes Coach does know best, believe it or not. Um, there, There is what – I mean, I'm going to have to obviously follow up on that momentarily because he is now the coach of a team that's back in OKC. But while while you're here, it's it's a story that – I think this this current team definitely continues on. Um, so it, it is a good transition between your playing days and the current team now, which is really why you're here. But there is a tradition that started back when you were a player regarding sunflowers, uh, the color yellow, and a little girl named Heather Braswell. To this day, Florida has so, so-called yellow games where they'll wear yellow socks. Uh, the players on the team, not even just for the yellow game, but in general, still wear sunflowers in their hair. Uh, I know you have a very special connection with Heather Braswell. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what Heather meant to you personally and, and why you think that her story and her legacy still lives on this powerfully to this day with this current team. Yeah. So Heather had already been a part of theater softball, like our program for two years before I got there. Um, Francesca and Naya actually, was the connection there into um, Heather joining our team. Um, funny that her entire family is Florida State fans. So for her to get matched with the Florida Gator softball team is kind of funny. Um, but Heather was always so quiet and she was so quiet and so reserved. And I think my first two years, I didn't, I didn't spend a ton of time with Heather because I think she had already established, you know, some relationships in the older groups in, you know, in our program. But my junior and senior year, for some reason, we kind of started talking a little bit more. And at the end of the dugout, my, my cubby was at the end of the dugout. She was sat um, under the last, you know, couple cubbies. And so when I would be mad or something, I'd go to the end of the dugout and give myself a few minutes. And I would say something under my breath. And I'm like, sorry, Heather. And she's like, it's okay, I'm in high school. It's okay. And so we would just kind of talk at the end of the dugout. My brother's name is Matthew. Her brother's name is Matthew. We're like similar ages apart. And I think we kind of um, found some similar ground and some things in common. And I, I feel like I actually got to know Heather a little bit more my junior year or sophomore junior year, I guess. Um, she passed away my junior year. But um, Heather was a big part of our program. You know, she brought us things every single game. Her family never freaking missed. Like they were fans from the jump and they never miss now. I think that's the cool thing about it too. But you know, when we were told Heather's cancer had come back, um, we didn't really get know the full extent of it, but we knew, you know, she came to one of our games and you could tell that something had changed in her health. And uh, it really just hits you differently when you realize all of these things you get to do and you're able to do and, getting to play softball at Florida and your health and your family and your, you know, your gifts that you have on this, in this world. And then for this little 17 year old, it all came crashing down before our eyes too. And I think that us realizing that there's so much more to this than just playing softball. And it gave us something to play for that was bigger than us. And it's the first time I had really experienced that. Um, and I'm blessed and privileged that that is true. Um, but Heather was just always a light. Like there was nothing negative about Heather. Um, we were always so excited to see her, talk to her, her mom and aunt, 
just her family is so nice. I actually got a text from her mom earlier today. Um, she'll bounce back and forth. I lost my parents um, recently and she, with Father's Day camp coming up, thought to text me and, you know, tell me that she's thinking about me. And those are just the kind of people that they were. Um, so when Heather passed away, it just really changed our program. And so we wanted to commend her. And so childhood cancer awareness is the color gold and yellow. And so we started out by wearing gold bows in our hair. And then we had already kind of wanted to wear flowers. That was kind of Hannah's idea. So, you know, we, they sell the flowers they wear in their hair in the gift shop, but we would go to freaking Michael's on Archer road and we would get the sunflowers, buy these jewels, hot glue them on, hot glue the hair clip on, and those would be our flowers that we'd wear. So it kind of transitioned into sunflowers because golden flowers. And that was it. That kind of became Heather's symbol. And it was very organic how it kind of came about, but it became Heather's symbol and it was our symbol that life is, you know, so short and we are so blessed to be doing what we're doing and we get to play for something bigger. And the year she passed away, we won our first national championship and there's no coincidence there. I think that it gave us a different perspective and it gave us more strength than we knew we had. Um, and that's all thanks to Heather. And I, you know, I talk about her a lot still and I'm lucky that I got to know her and I got to like actually experience that whole thing. Um, because it, it really does mean a lot to me that the sunflower is still so represented in our program. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously, I mean, don't need to say this, but it, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible story. It, it, it does kind of have the power to make me sick sometimes thinking about how, how unfair it is. Uh, I mean, between her and, and Alex Wilcox, which I know didn't, didn't uh really affect you but it does affect the current team as, as Kenzie Gells was a, a teammate of hers at Mississippi State between those two things it definitely feels like we're 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 handed too many we're we're just handed way too many um symbols and I guess hints that that life is just not necessarily that long and obviously in their case it's cut shorter than in most cases but even you know even without those tragedies striking us personally it's definitely something that we should not take for granted and enjoy every minute of so yeah i mean that that's obviously something that you know we have to be cognizant of at all times that that life is is very very fragile regardless of you know, I mean, if it's not cancer, maybe, you know, a car crash could happen tomorrow or something like that. So, and that's not to get morbid, but it's just to you know, live your life every day as though it could be your last because you just don't know. I think, and I think as college kids, I think back and you, you feel invincible. You feel like nothing like that could ever happen to you or happen to the people around you. And I think it was a good, not a good reminder. It's not good, but it was a wake up call for us to see like, wow, like we aren't invincible. We aren't in control of these things that happened um, to us or the people that we love. And I think that that really resonated with us that like we get the opportunity to play this game and we get the opportunity to impact people. So why not impact people in a positive way and turn something into awareness that we can um, so that other people can kind of feel that as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a sort of situation where it's obviously, I mean, that there's no good that can come out of it, but you know, you're forced to learn from it. And I guess, 
you know, because the, the alternative is you don't learn from it and, and something else happens you're not prepared for. So you may as well be prepared. Um, so, I mean, that, that is obviously the, the, the down note, the, the, the sad piece uh, of the pod, but the overall vibe of this pod is, is happy and upbeat because your alma mater, my favorite college softball team, is in OKC for the Women's College World Series. They, it's something that I, I think, speaking of being taken for granted, we kind of might have taken for granted. In, in 2021, we were you know, the four overall seed and got a, an, an unseeded Georgia team, and we didn't score a run against them. So it's something that I think we're used to doing every year, but that we should be reminded is a special occasion. It's not easy to do it. So we should, uh, we should celebrate it. And, and here we are. So the first question for you as, as someone who obviously played and is, is very familiar with the current team because you know the coaching staff, or at least you know the head coach, the assistants are different, but you know the head coach and you watch a lot of their games. What has been the thing that has most impressed you throughout the course of, I, I think is fair to call it a, a trying season? Yeah, I think it's showing me now more than what it was is that they haven't laid down and they have continued to try to get better throughout the whole season. The season is long. It's a long season. Um, and this is your team and this is what you're dealt with. And I think that finding that recipe that every single team is going to be a little bit different. And how do we win with this team? And how do we win with this team? And how do we, you know, make this perfect concoction of winning because that's what we do and that's what we want to do. Um, and so for me, it's been really fun to watch them turn it on and, you know, to take those losses personal and to be like, that's not going to define, you know, our SEC run in the regular season was hard. And it's, it's hard as an alum too, I think, because you just want them to do so well. You just want them to do well and you're not in control and you can't help them and you want to help them. And you're like, what is he doing? And what is going on? And you just want to know um, because you've been there and to see them all of a sudden, just like figure out like who they are has been so cool. It's like, are we hitters? Are we bunters? Are we fast? Are we fielders? Are we pitchers? Are we, I guess it was finding their identity and who they are as a, you know, a team this year. Um, is really important, and I think that's where they're headed, and I'm so excited for them to go to OKC on this note of, like, this is who we are, regardless of the season that we've had, and this is the recipe for success, and it's working, and we're going to keep adding to it because they're really fun to watch right now, and I've been, a, you know, really excited to see their experience move forward. I'm really excited for Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Thursday. I'm excited for Friday. I'm excited for the days that, that go beyond it because I, I don't, I, I think, I think a thing that that this team is um, is definitely cognizant of because of the, the failures they had earlier in the year is that they should not just be happy to be there. They should be there to win games. They should be there to to go get a trophy. And if they don't, then all right, you know, you tried your best and you didn't, you didn't get it, but to just, you know, wow, this is OKC. This is what the women's college roster is like. No, I, I think that, that they're there because they know that they want to win games there and, and, and achieve more than just put a number up on the wall um, in KC Shell Presley. So um, the current team, like as I just touched on, 
had a season unlike any that I really remember. I mean, I started following softball around, um, yeah, it was 08. It was, this is my first year really following it, the 70 and five year. Uh, and it's this season that Florida's had is not, is not congruent with any season um, since. I mean, 2012 kind of ended really, really horribly. Uh, but the, the you, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What. I remember that. I remember watching that. If you were going to ask me what the worst thing to watch was, that was going to be it. <laughs> oh, that was hard. But yes, not yeah. their season was incredible until that moment. Yeah, oh. just not the, the finish. But, I mean, the regular yeah. season for Florida this year was unlike any we've seen for sure. I mean, you're, they're losing home series left and right. I mean, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas all come in to Gainesville, and, and they beat them too. I think Arkansas sweeps us. In, in four of our 24 SEC games, we're shut out completely. In four more of our 24 SEC games, we are limited to one run. So right there, a third of our 24 SEC games, we have one or zero runs on the board beside our name. That just doesn't happen in Florida. You, right. you just don't see that. And yet, here they are. They went on the road. They got shut out again. First game by VT. But then they come back the next two days, and they smoked them. So, I mean, I, I got to ask you about – how how does it work that that you just so adjust from i mean the game ended about 20 hours before the next game started how do you flip a switch so fast and turn a result on its head like that and how was this team able to do it i mean i wish i knew the answer but for some reason in my heart like as a player and and only being able to like use it for my experience is just like you're tired. You are tired of the criticism. You are tired of people thinking that you can't hit. You are tired of people thinking that you can't win and win in the SEC. And I think that Gator Nation, the hard part about sometimes Gator Nation is the standard, right? And it can be either hard for you or it can be like, oh my gosh, let's go. And I think that they're at that point where why not us? right? Like, why is everybody counting out the Gators? Like, why are we now all of a sudden here with a bunch of other programs and we're not that? And I think that I hope when I, I can guess when I saw 14 come on the board, I was talking about this with somebody. I was like, if, if I didn't take it personal because, but I, I wanted them to take it personal and I wanted them to say, that's not where Gator softball is. And that's not where Gator softball should be. Um, that's the competitor in me. And I'm, I think they went into Blacksburg with that. I can only think they went into Blacksburg with that. And especially getting shut out. They were like, we need to do something different. And whether Coach Walton prepared them so differently and prepared them so well, because that's what he does. Um, it was just so exciting. I was like, I turned on my phone. I was coaching this weekend, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's 4 nothing in the second inning. Oh, my gosh, it's 6, 8, 10, 12, nothing. And I was like, what is this? And it was so exciting and refreshing, and I was so excited for them and excited for Coach. And I, this just got to keep rolling. Whatever's working right now, like, let's go. Not changing the thing. So, I mean, all right, right there, you mentioned uh, the – on Twitter, and you just alluded to it now, postseason Tim. I mean, like, it, it's a concept that I, I don't think people see as so foreign because we, we've heard similar 
lines like you know we've heard playoff jimmy the playoff jimmy butler playoff lenny like playoff leonard fournette in reference to him so the concept itself isn't totally out of the world but what is it from your experience about tim walton that makes his teams regardless of who the players are because he's done this for a decade and a half now what is it about him that makes his team so different in the postseason whether they're a one seed or as we now see a 14 seed yeah, him in general, he's just the most detail-oriented person I've ever met in my whole life. And he, my entire four years there, all I wanted to do was prove him wrong of something. But he was always freaking right. And that's something that we kind of always joked about. But I think for him, he he understands that, like, yes, during the season, wins are wins. His job relies on us winning games, period. Okay, so, like, but he's not – he doesn't lay his head on those things. He knows that in the postseason, if you can manufacture runs, if you can get past people, however you can get past people, that's how you're going to win. And so he tests – I feel like he's so good at testing his players all season and putting them in the most uncomfortable positions that they can be put in, practice, games – She's never been in this situation before, but what if she does in postseason? Let's put her in now. Oh, this girl's never played in this position in this like situation before. Put her in now. Like, let's see how she does. And he's not worried about the result in that moment because he knows that he just helped her for later. And I think that he's always done that. I didn't see the value in that until after as a coach. Um, but he really does. He throws these people in these positions and he tries to see what he has in so much detail and then once he realizes what he has it's practice it practice it practice it practice it practice it over and over again even if the scenario is going to happen once they're going to be prepared for it um you know behind the back play kelsey stewart did they practice that every day in practice like that's not a joke like she does it every day it happened once in her career but it was in the most crucial time he prepares his players for that one time and i think that that's what makes him different if I just can't even explain how many scenarios. He has all this weird infield and outfield scenarios that I've never seen before. He's like, just watch. It's going to happen once. But if it does, she's going to know what to do. And, yeah, so I think that's what truly makes him so different. And he studies, he studies, and he has all these charts and all the things. And, um, I mean, everybody does now. But I think Coach Walton really thinks about the game differently. And I think that's what kind of sets him apart. He puts people in, see how they do, and then moves on with that information. So, yeah, I mean, I could think of a couple situations like that. I mean, I'm, I remember um, players ranging from from Jade Carraway to, to your teammate, Taylor Schwartz, I mean, jumping onto walls to try to make catches while somehow not letting the ball touch the net because if you do, like if it does, it's out of play and you, and you don't get credit for the catch. I, I mean, how much did, did they practice those specific things? Uh, every day. Like, I mean, me playing first base, I'm like, like I hated doing that. But he did it every single day. And – Aubrey's back there, you know, communicating room and all that kind of stuff. It's like all those details that you do every single day. And that's why, you know, people, when they say that, you know, they come and watch practice before at Florida, like it's a whole different being is our practice. It's just something's happening at all time and you don't have enough time to get through everything. But for some reason he finds a way to make it work. Um, every single day we, I mean, at least every other day we're practicing those, you know, pop-ups off to the feet off to the side or whatever it is I can remember like cuts and relays like if the ball is right here 
like he'll just practice that spot like over and over and over again. And so then he'll, he'll just like it. pick a square inch of space and say, if the ball is right here, we're going to, oh, wow. Oh my gosh. It's, it's unreal. Cuts in relays last hours and people wonder, but it lasts hours so that if it happens one time, she's getting thrown out at home. It's incredible. It really is incredible. I didn't appreciate it enough in college because I was hot probably running to back up, but I was hot and I didn't appreciate it. And now I think it's pretty much the reason why he is who he is and what he does. Well, I mean, you mentioned that Auburn game in 2015. How about the fact that they probably win the game, if not for a very nice relay that comes from center field. I mean, that's, yeah. And to Chrissy Merritt's credit all year, like that girl has a cannon, right? But like she threw, her arm was incredible but I know for a long time it, it was she would just chuck it and coach Walton would be like just keep chucking it keep chucking it you keep chucking it and then all of a sudden they learned how to like kind of make it down and make it that perfect throw but that took a long time it really did and then boom right in the perfect moment at the end of the season it was perfect and I that's to Kersey Barrett's credit obviously and coach Walton's because they worked and worked and worked and worked on that forever forever so I don't assume that Tim Walton has lost his touch in that area because we have seen this Florida team make adjustments. I mean, we just talked about going from getting shut out to putting up 19 runs in the next two games and not even needing the full second game to get it because they mercy ruled. Well, technically, it's called run rule. I just, I, I mean, it is a mercy rule. So I, I don't know. I just, that's just a pet peeve of mine. But same, same difference. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, on our Super Regional preview pod, we had Jen Schroeder, as we mentioned. Um, I, I think her exact quote about Natalie Lugo, who I want to ask you about next, was that she eats up innings. She's not a true starter. She can't – I mean, she's not a girl that you would really expect to go a full seven, but she can just eat up innings as a reliever. So two games against Virginia Tech, she goes two and two-thirds innings in each of those two games – one hit in each of those two games, zero runs in both of those two games. So exact same stat lines except for the strikeout total. I think she got three and then one in the next one. So I know she's not really a starter by trade, at least not this year, but she she shut the Hokies down. And and we did see Lexi Delbray get a little excited in that in that third game. She got a little wild, walked a few people, not what you want to do in any situation. So considering that considering what you've seen from Elizabeth Hightower uh, both throughout the course of the season and, and more recently, do you, if you're Walton consider going with Lugo to start against Oregon state, or do you go back to Lexi Delbray or do you go back to Elizabeth Hightower? What do you do and how do you manage the pitching situation uh, to start the women's college world series? You know, I think it's a very unique year. Um, considering, you know, Florida's history with pitchers and having, you know, that, that person, um, he's going to go with who's hot right now. He doesn't care about anything else about right now. How are we going to win game one? Like we need to win game one who is hot right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if Delbury or because here's the other thing. If he puts Delbury in at the beginning of the world series, she's going to have experience for the end of the world series. And like, he knows that. Um, but I mean, Natalie Lugo change up is all you can say. And the way that that girl makes speeds and is so unpredictable and how well she's hitting her spots right now, keeping the ball low in the zone, 
not giving up home runs, keeping the ball in the yard. I don't know what he's going to do because he just does it, and he's usually right, um, unfortunately, for because I always wanted to prove him wrong. But, I mean, as a pitching coach myself, like, I am obsessed with change-ups. I would love for Natalie Lugo to get a start, but maybe she won't because of the role she's been playing, and maybe she's bought into it. So a Delbury Lugo situation, I wouldn't hate. A Hightower, like, um, drop ball pitcher. Why am I forgetting her name for a second? Nassimore? Or no. Lefty. Oh, Trilicek. Trilicek. Yeah, yeah Trilicek. Riley, that's her name. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Sorry, Riley, if you're listening. To this oh my gosh, I even like emailed her. I don't know, you know. I told you my memory. I told you that I'm not warning that. Um, you remembered that you told me that your memory wasn't great. I did, I did. So I don't know, Lugo, Lugo Delbrey. I mean, that was the recipe for that game. He'll study those hitters though and see like how they handle changeups and what pitches they have a hard time with. To be honest, they're all different. I think that that's cool too. I don't know who's gonna start. He has shocked me the whole the whole thing. I wish I had a better educated guess. He's going to go with who's the hottest. So that kind of narrows it down a little bit, I think. But he just is going to do whatever he can to win game one. You win game one and two at the World Series, and your life is it's set up. It's set up for the rest, yeah. for sure. And coming out of that loser's bracket is not easy. Uh, although Florida State did it last year and almost won the whole thing, but it, it's not. And Oklahoma did it too. I mean, they James Madison won their first two games. But I mean, that's for those of you. I mean, for those who may remember that, that's that's the extreme anomaly. That is not the usual uh, route that that champions take. Um, so now talking about the hitters a little bit. Um, talked about this with Jen as well. She said, and, and I think I don't think Gator fans were too surprised to hear this, but she said if Florida's going to win, they're going to need Skylar Wallace and Charlotte Eccles to do their thing at the plate. Kendra Falby stepping up would be great. We need Skylar Wallace. We need Charlotte Eccles. Those are Florida's those are Florida's most trusted hitters. They have been throughout the year, and they did come through. Uh, Kendra Falby, all the credit in the world. She, she's a kid. I mean, she's, she's really good. <laughs> she, she's a she's fresh. Really good. She, she, I mean, she looks smarter and she looks like more experienced yeah. beyond her years. Um, the one I really wanted to hammer away at on this pod with you was Avery Gals because that's a name that I don't think Florida fans were expecting to get a lot of production out of. I think most Gator fans thought, you know, if she gets hits, great. We're not going to win or lose games based on her performance. She comes through against Virginia Tech, and now I think that that's – and you want to talk about hot hand, how about a hot bat in, in Avery Gale? So, I mean, obviously Oregon State and whoever else Florida plays are going to be keying in on those. They're going to be pitching them a little extra carefully. Maybe they'll be less likely to see, you know, the fat pitches, the meatballs. Um, so what does that say for you about the importance of Gales down at the bottom of the lineup? The more times you can turn the lineup over, the more times those hitters, the Skylar Wallaces, the Charla Eccles, the Hannah Adams, they get to hit. So, like, I never really understood the importance of turning over that lineup. But, oh, my gosh, if I could hit more times, you know, like, we were going to have chances to win. If Aubrey Monroe could turn over the lineup, Kelsey Stewart would get on base more often. And Nicole DeWitt would get her on second more often. And I think that that's something that's super important. And, I'm so excited for that end of that bottom of the lineup to be 
you know, making some noise. The whole lineup in general, but for the end of the lineups, we'll be making some noise. Just like Jen, the leaders have to lead. And the ones who have had experience have to lead too, regardless of if they're hot now or not. Like, making sure that the team knows that, you know, playing on this stage is just normal. And just got to play Gator softball because at first, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And the more experience you've had there, the easier it gets. Um, turn the lineup over. Get Skylar Wallace up to bat as many times as you can. Kendra Falby on base. All these fast people. I'm a fan. Was never me. I think it's so freaking cool for people to be so fast to make things happen. Um, steal as many bases as you can. I'm all about it. But turning that line over the line up over as many times as we can, I think is going to set us up for the success that we need to hitting wise. Well, that that's the task that Avery Gales has. I mean, she is down at the bottom lineup. She wasn't really a, a fixture in, on the team last year. I mean, she didn't have a huge role to start the year. She kind of grew into that as the year progressed. And now she's, I mean, you won't call her a star, but, but she, she has a significant piece on this team. And I think Florida uh, I won't say that their that their success hinges on her, but like you just said, they could definitely do themselves a, a nice service by getting the top of the lineup another crack at whoever they're facing that day. So, uh, I mean, Gail is someone obviously I'm looking at Cheyenne Lindsay with the the walk off homer mm. to beat LSU. Someone else I think is is nice to um, to 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 expect things out of uh, in this lineup. So, if there's one player that you're looking at to produce on this Florida lineup, who exactly would it be? I know it's going to be one of two, but which of them do you think is going to be the one that we really need? Oh, I think Charlotte Eccles. Because I think Sky Wallace has a lot of tools and a lot of opportunities to get on base. She has speed. She can bunt. She can hit, right? So if one's not working, she has other things to go to. But Charlotte Eccles, like, if she can hit like she can hit, it's going to be really good for us. It's going to be like, get on base, hit her in. Skylar Wallace on base, hit her in. And I think the Kelsey Stewart and me situation was kind of like that. And I think that you can almost guarantee that Kendra or Skylar, someone will be on. But if we can get some RBIs early on in the game, I think that that's going to be good. And I think Charlotte Eccles, I'm, I'm really excited to see what she can do yeah is that where you're going with that yeah i mean i i knew i knew it was going to be either charla or skylar so i mean the, the, those are the two that that jen said you know have to produce those are the two yeah. that i think we're all we're all looking at um so now i get to ask you about my personal favorite part of the sport and my favorite part of most sports uh and that's that's intelligence that's that's brain power so Four nothing Florida in game three against VT. Bases loaded, no outs. Sam Rowe, fly ball in the center field. It's caught. That's a sack fly. It's running around third scores. Meanwhile, Cheyenne Lindsay has her head on a swivel the whole time. She's on second. She makes sure that the throw doesn't come in behind her and doesn't go to third. And then she takes off. VT's not even thinking about her. They just think, all right, fly ball, whatever. Five nothing on a sack fly. They don't pay attention to her. So she just quietly races over to third next batter gills as mentioned fly ball center field again lindsey scores she does not score if she does not take that third base because she just tagged up so now she could go from third to home and it's another run for florida little things like that the little little smart things florida 
played smart softball and was rewarded for that with an extra run. Turned out they wouldn't really need it, but I mean, in the game in OKC, they might. So you never know, right? So as a former player yourself, now as a coach watching all the games, talk a little bit about the role of of a of a total team IQ and and the brains that go into the game of softball and how much of a difference you think that could make in the World Series. Absolutely, you can you can have the best you know power hitters or the fastest runners, the best base runners, but can you manufacture runs at all times? Can you take extra bases? Can you? Um, see balls off the bat differently can you read spins can you read you know change-ups can you read you know base runners see balls in the dirt have you practiced that um it's all those little things to just move people up 60 feet as fast as you can and as you know as detailed as you can to do that i think if you can manufacture a couple runs like with catching people off guard um that can only help you, but you never know what the final score is going to be, especially if people are, you know, you're not hitting. Coach Allen's good at that, manufacturing those runs, and they've practiced that, guarantee it. Um, they've, they've practiced that. He's talked to him about that. Um, and he's really aggressive when it comes to that. He would rather see if someone can play catch than us not take a chance. That's who he is. That's how he is. Obviously, it's situational, but especially early on in the game, he's going to challenge those throws, and he's going to challenge that because I think there was some defensive miscues anyway, like throughout Virginia Tech, and I think he was kind of feeling that, and he was like, let's take extra and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I think Florida's always done well, even when things aren't going well scoreboard-wise. I mean, even – I mean, even even when they got swept by Arkansas, when they were losing home series to Alabama and uh, to Tennessee, you, you you couldn't knock them saying, "Oh, they're playing stupid softball." Oh, they're not thinking; they're not playing with their heads on. No, I mean they were just not hitting the ball, but they were doing the fundamental things right. They were they were thinking things through. They just got beat, and they weren't making plays. But that's I think a constant that if all else fails, they could definitely lean on. Um, and and keep themselves in the game for maybe a little bit longer than frankly, then, then they might deserve to if they're not, you know, if they're not doing the things they need to do otherwise. Um, so time to, um, time to make a few predictions because, I mean, Florida is now playing in the greatest stage of college softball. So we're going to treat this like a, uh, like, like a football pod because, I mean, they deserve it. They deserve that same amount of attention. And we always end those by making predictions and uh, giving keys to to each game, so it's a little different here because it's it's a pool. They're, the Gators are playing in a pool of of four teams. It's them, Oklahoma State, Oregon State, and Arizona. It's a wild pool because there's one other seeded team, and the other two are are unseeded. And actually, Florida's first opponent, Oregon State, was nowhere close to 500 in their own conference. They were nine and 15 in their league this year. Uh, they just got hot at the right time. So. That puts Florida in a situation where they're, they're. I mean, they're, they're one of the two favorites to to advance out of of the pool and make it to the finals. So we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll just talk about the situation at hand to start with. Florida, Oregon State, uh, Thursday night. Give us a a key to the game and give us your prediction for what happens. I think the key to the game is going to be to treat Oregon State like anybody else at the World Series. I think it's going to be. 
um, a lot of what does Oregon State have to lose? They are there to play softball because that's what they've been doing the last couple weeks and at a very, you know, shock in the world. No one, no one wanted them. No one thought they were going to be there. Um, and I think for Florida to get past that first game, um, something that I think is the hardest is to not know your opponent. This isn't someone we've ever played. This isn't someone that you've ever, you haven't heard a ton about until postseason. Um, so I think that that's going to be kind of tricky. Um, my prediction is that, you know, obviously the Gators, I want the Gators to win for sure. I think they're going to win. Obviously that's why we're here. Um, from pure experience and the fact that like, we kind of have that, what do we have to lose kind of thing? Because no one thought we'd be here too. And, um, I'm really excited for them for that. Don't overlook them. Never overlook them, especially in postseason. If we haven't learned that from this postseason, I don't know when we have. Um, really excited to watch, though. I Again, I don't know a ton about Oregon State. It's been hard for me to watch all of the games. Um, I wish I had more time to watch every single game all the time. But um, from what I do know, sneaky, um, obviously sneaking up on people. So we just have to be prepared, even though – these aren't people that we've ever played or played all the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you said. I, I do think that that the top of our lineup is going to have to get on base. I mean, that that's kind of an obvious key for for any game. But Oregon State feels like the kind of opponent that you want to just cut the head off immediately, not not mess around, not let it be, you know, a 2-1 or the 3-2 type of game in the sixth inning or so. You, you want to, like we did against VT, you want to bury them early on. So get get your first couple of, of hitters on base, get them in, you know, score them, get a nice early lead. I think if Florida gets a, a 3 or 4 nothing lead within the first couple of innings like VT, I think Florida will will sort of smell blood and they'll just they'll slam the door shut. So agree. And to be honest, like – that's the stage no one on Oregon State's played on yet. Um, and that that matters. Like, being there for the first time is a lot, and it is heavy. And so if you can jump on them and score runs, and, you know, it's going to be hard for them to settle those feelings and be able to make a comeback win at the World Series. For sure. So – we we both agree Florida will win the first game. We're I mean I mean I know we have our hearts, but we're we're picking with our heads. So we, we both do agree that, that Florida will win that first game. Yes. So that I I think will will put us up against Oklahoma State, a team that I know yeah. you do know very well because your former assistant or a former Florida assistant coach during your time at Florida is now their head coach and Kenny Gajewski. So what can we expect out of them? And, I mean, what, what do you think happens when – I'm assuming when, but if the Gators and Cowgirls get together? I first want to say how impressed I am with the Cowgirls pitching staff. I, like, haven't been able to watch a ton of their games this year, but watching them, I watched all the – both games against Clemson, and holy crap. Um, they are super talented. They have two, like, two number ones. Like, they're that type of, you know, AA kind of staff. Um, they throw really, really hard. They change speeds. So I think for Florida to get past Oklahoma State, we're going to have to just – we're going to manufacture runs. Like, that's what we have to do. You know, if those – again, if those big hitters can get up, get a big hit or two, and us just run, 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 and make people's kind of heads fall off and um, make kind of crazy things happen um, – Oklahoma State shortstop so good. Like, I mean, they're good. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of fan of 
Coach G, obviously, he's an amazing person. Um, that would be a really fun matchup to be at, actually. Like, oh, maybe that makes me think maybe something I want to go to. Um, but again, Florida's, Florida has to play their best softball that day. 100%. Like, it, they can have no mistakes. I don't think. I don't think they can have any mistakes that game. And being able to, like, make those pitchers throw a lot of pitches because uh, they're very good. And our pitching staff has to keep the ball in the yard. Point blank, period. I have, I guess, what is what, what is the exact opposite of a fantasy? Like like a premonition, I guess. There's just a dread. I have, I have a dreadful feeling that, that Julia Cottrell is going to beat us. On, on, a, on a late hit, I don't know if it'll be a walk-off. I don't know if we'll yeah. be a home team or a, or a away team, but I just have this nasty uh, feeling that it's going to be like a 1-1, 2-2 type of game and she'll come tight. through with a late hit and, and beat us. Um, I mean, But she did not catch and did not hit in the first game of their Super Regional. So it all just depends on if she's catching or not. That's true. But so, I, even even if she's not, I mean, they could they could have her come in and pinch hit because she I know, knows the staff so well. That, that's that, a tough spot. That's a tough freaking spot. But Coach G's like that. He's like, all right, you want it? Go get it. Like, that's fine. I yeah. Just, I mean, because I mean, who, who knows Elizabeth Hightower's tendencies better than someone who caught her? Or Riley Chilisic or Danny Lugo's tendencies better than someone who caught for her? For, oh, my God. You're so right. So I, I just had this ugly feeling that, that that's not going to go so well. So I, I will say that Florida loses that game 2-1. Um, I mean, the, the motto of, of our pod is is keep it respectful, but keep it real. So we, we, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we don't we don't make picks with our hearts here. We, we make them with our heads. And so that's how that's how our listeners know, you know when I when I pick Florida to win a game, it means I genuinely think they're going to win. I'm not yeah. uh, just going with the I, fandom. I genuinely think Florida can win, but everything has to be perfect. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard for us to win. Like I, I'm with you. I'm with you on the fact that like Oklahoma's pitching staff is so good. I think they're so good. Um, we have to be perfect. We have to be perfect that day, and we can win. If not, I kind of agree with you. I don't know about the person coming up to bat prediction. I can't really predict that, but it's going to have to be a perfect day for us. It would. It would just be so nasty if if that is what happens. It not. I mean, not not anything against Julia personally. I mean, it would just be a, yeah. a grotesque feeling. To watch, like, oh god! I mean, I, the softball gods are just growing something, aren't they? It would, it would almost be. Maybe this is before your time, but uh, it, it would almost be the equivalent of if Brock Berlin went to in Oklahoma State and we and we played Oklahoma State in in the the Fiesta Bowl or something. Brock Berlin, former Gator quarterback, went to Miami quarterback uh-huh. that would win over us. And then, of course, as soon as the clocks hit, hit zero, he starts pointing at us and he goes. Yeah, their faces. So I don't, I don't know if Julia will do that, but I, I just, it, I don't know. It sets up for, and, and it, it's in Oklahoma. It'll be their home game, so to speak. Even though it's not in their park, it, I don't know. Just doesn't add up to a good feeling for me. But we'll see. But I'll say, I feel of, that. I feel that. I, I appreciate the the realness of that answer. I mean, I don't freaking know. This postseason has blown my mind. I don't know. I don't FSU know. losing definitely was, was blew pleasant. my mind. Uh, it, it was, that was <laughs> a pleasant surprise. 
Yeah. But I mean, just because one supply, what, just because one surprise went pleasantly for us, doesn't mean that the next one necessarily will. Although we have made it farther than Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, and FSU, which has been nice, and we are rep- representing the SEC. So that is that is cool that we are sort of uh, that that flag. And bears. Arkansas, I cannot. I was shocked by that. Well, that's true too. But I mean, those <sighs> those other fan bases I just listed are are ones I don't particularly yeah, care I'm, for. Yeah. I but, feel that. Okay, so do, do, is your prediction that Florida wins that game or loses? Because then we got to pick a, a different type of game. This is hard. I've never made these kind of predictions on like on the record. That's that's fun. That's the fun of it. They lose on it. I don't know. I don't know. Head, not your With, heart, Lauren. I think you're trying to sway me. All right. I'll, um, anything else? Make your pick. <laughs> I think that Oklahoma State. I think that I. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say it. I'm ashamed, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I can feel a good game coming on. Yes, on yeah. on that we definitely agree. So that puts Florida um, at one and one in the women's college world series. I do not like this rule, but it is how it is that, that you switch pods after you lose that one Oh game. Mm-hmm. So that will put Florida in Oklahoma's pod. That also puts Florida in UCLA's pod. And I am officially predicting that UCLA and Oklahoma, the favorites in, in their respective games will each win their respective games. They'll face off in the one Oh game. Oklahoma will be upset by UCLA in that 1-0 game because they have to lose at some point. They can't keep doing this. It's it's unreal. It's awesome. unreal. And so that, that – I truly believe this is Oklahoma and this is everybody else's here. Like I uh, – they won't. They're at home. They are at home. I know, but UCLA is legit this year. I mean, they – I just think that they're bound to lose sometime and, and there's bound to be a game where maybe the, they'll put their barrels on balls, but they'll go right at fielders. Maybe there'll be <laughs> just a, a bomb that goes three inches foul. There, there has to be a game where some things don't go right and they, they just aren't able to come out on top. And UCLA is good enough to make them pay for it. So I think that that's the game that they'll lose. And that means Florida will face Oklahoma in that, in that game up in their pod, which – what the? Oh, okay. Um, oh wait, no. That means Oklahoma will will switch pods too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that means I gotta I gotta revise my prediction then. I was gonna say Florida Oklahoma in that one one game, but that means the lose or the winner of their O one game. I guess that would be Northwestern. So that means Florida goes up against Northwestern. Yeah, that is how that works. The, the winner of the 0-1 game in their pod will play the loser of the 1-0 game in ours. I hate this. It's so confusing. It um, is, and I would just show up. Yeah, you just play? Go. Great. I'm going to show up then. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you do your scouting on whichever team they tell you to do it on. Um, so, yeah, that means Florida plays Northwestern in the 1-1 game. Uh, backs will be against the wall. They'll be for the season. What do you think happens? I think that Northwestern's tired. I think that Northwestern is, again, experiencing something new. And 
I fall back on the experience a lot for in the postseason. Um, I don't know. I that th this one's harder for me to believe that Florida's going to take the win than the Oklahoma State, only because I know how it feels to feel like, oh my god, you know, like we got to win, and if we win. We got to play again, and then you got to play again, and you got to play again. And it's just like, it's a little different. I think with that Oklahoma State game, like you're right there, and you know if you win, you are in the semis. Um, it's tough, I know. They're all tough. You, and you don't want to, like, be – you don't want to say they're going to – you don't want to say your team's going to lose. Um and again, I wish I knew more about Northwestern. I know that, you know, obviously they're pitchers and they're scrappy as heck and they are fighters and they are not going to give up. Um, that could be hard. I don't know if we pull that one out. I don't know if we are just like, we're either going to be checked out or checked in. I just don't know if there's, I just don't know what to pick. Like we're going to be so checked in or so checked out. I'm not sure. I'm what, going what on... I'm going on the record and saying that that game will resemble game three against Virginia Tech. And Florida comes out mashing. They come out right. mad. They come out angry. And they just come out swatting the ball everywhere. I don't know that we mercy rule them, but it'll be like a 7-1, 7-2 game because they do have some hitters. So I'll, I'll say Florida wins like 7-2. And, and that will put Florida as at 2-1. That will put them against UCLA in the final of their pool. Meanwhile, I'm predicting twice. <laughs> yeah, but that's what happens when you lose the one of your first that's two games. That's what I'm saying, and I think that I think that Florida knows that. So, like, that's why the Oklahoma State game. I really, I really have a gut feeling. You want to change your prediction? I should have done this before I got on here, but I didn't have time. So uh, this is the first time I'm really actually thinking about this. Well, that's that's kind of the fun. It, it makes it spontaneous. It is spontaneous. We're I mean we're just like we're just like Lee Corso and Desmond Howard right now. We're we're making picks. I think they lose. I think really? they lose. I think I think they lose. I think that it gets overwhelming, and I think honestly, just because of the season that we've had, like I don't know, I don't know if they they have that we're going to come back and win seven after like such a devastating loss to Oklahoma state. I think if they're going to go, they're going to beat Oklahoma state. I think if they're going to make it all the way, they're going to be Oklahoma state. And if they don't be Oklahoma state in that round, regardless if it's Oklahoma state or not, I just don't know if we can bounce all the way back. The road does get a lot harder. Um, I I can look at the SEC tournament where we won a few games in a row. The, the regional, we just smacked everyone upside the head that came our way. But then again, we didn't face uh, in Aaliyah Jordan. We didn't face a, a, a Jocelyn Alloway. We, we didn't face just a roster that's so stacked with, with players. And then on top of the fact that their rosters are stacked top to bottom, there's one player that's exceptional on top, you know, more so than the rest of them. Um, so I, I don't know about that, but I will say Florida will beat Northwestern to get to that national semifinal. I think then we run into an Aaliyah Jordan buzzsaw, and I think that's where it ends. That would be, yeah. I think we have to win game two of the World Series for us to get. I don't think we're super deep enough in regards to 
having enough, we have a lot of arms, but they can't get through lineups three times. Right. You know, like, and because hitters adjust, it's hard. It's freaking hard. It's so freaking hard. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think we're there. If we're going to get all the way, we're going to beat Oklahoma State. I truly believe in my heart that we can. Um, and the other ones, if we don't beat Oklahoma State, I I don't know. I don't think we have all of it to get there. Well, I mean, look, in, in fairness, I am predicting Florida to go to the national semifinals, which is like the final four in or the college football playoff. If you want to make direct you know, comparisons to other sports. So it's not like that would be a disappointment given the year we have and, and getting the first no. overall seed. I am but, like, I just heck that we're there. I'm so hyped. That's where we need to be. Like, if we had it, if we didn't make it back to the World Series for the second year in a row, I would be sad. Especially the way that the first year I mean, that sixteen was bad, and it's in a different way where we lose to Georgia that way. To not score a run in two games against an unseeded Georgia team—I mean, yeah, they hosted—but to to get shut out twice in a row when we smacked them around in the regular season. Yeah, last year was was really bad, and I think if we didn't make it this year, it would just be an, an added um, sense of yeah. disappointment for us. But I, I mean, if because I I know that you know I, I I follow a lot of the players; they follow me. I I know that there's a chance that they might listen to this. If if you are listening to this, <laughs> I, I mean, you guys have had have had a tremendous season so far, and yeah. I would love nothing more than to see y'all go out and prove me wrong. And Hey, I, I did, I did pick them to beat Virginia tech. So if, if my head over heart uh, formula is right and Florida does get to the national semifinals, y'all will have nothing to be embarrassed about. This will still be no. a tremendous season. Um, I think but, as an alumni, it's also hard to make those predictions, especially for this. Um, but I, because I, but the positive in this is I truly believe that they can beat Oklahoma State in one game. I really do. I want like they can be perfect. If they don't want their season to end, that's going to be the game that's going to decide if it's going to end or not. In my opinion, it's true. I can I feel mean, it in my bones. It's, it's a valid one. Um, so we we will end this on on a positive note, and and I will ask the question this way. The Florida Gators will win the national championship if blank and blank happen. Give me two things that you think will have to happen for Florida to win it all. The Florida Gators will win the national championship if they keep the ball in the yard. If they do not give up home runs throughout the entire tournament to the least amount as possible, we will win. And I think that if I wasn't prepared for this. And I think that if we get past Oklahoma State, I believe in them. Why not us? You ever seen Miracle? Sure. Freaking Oklahoma is the Soviet Union right now. I just picked them to lose in the 1-0 game. Yeah, for sure. Like – I, I'm just, I'm just, if we can get, if we can win day two, I really just think that they'll be like, let's go. 
Oklahoma is going to lose a game is, is my, regardless of what happens to Florida, my bold prediction. At some point in the Women's College World Series, they will lose a game. I still think that they get to the national title series one way or another. I think that someone will take a game off them. I don't, I, yeah. I, I, I predicted that to be UCLA, but it could be Florida and it, and it could be Florida twice. So you just. Who the freak knows? I don't know. This is too hard. This postseason is so hard to predict anyway, and I, I can't do it. But so, all right, your, <laughs> your, your keys are keep the ball in the yard and beat Oklahoma State. So, hey, That's got, good. Yeah. For, for someone sure. who's never done predictions before, I don't do this. No, you I'm just know the game this. inside and out. You just she's but she's not a prediction person. Jen Jen was more apt to do a multi-team prediction, I guess. But I mean, you're you're the one that knows the program inside now. You know postseason Tim um, inside now, and I and I guess you, you have a perspective. I don't guess I know you know you have a perspective on on him and and what makes this team's heart beat better than than probably anyone else. So the last question is what moves do you think Tim Walton or what types of moves do you think Tim Walton will be making in Oklahoma city that could give Florida the edge to win it all? I mean, I, I always go back to details with him. I always go back to like, he's come up with some crazy small thing that he saw that this girl do one time and he's going to take advantage of it. He's going to take advantage of it and he's going to open it up and he's going to make everybody see it. And that's who he is. But I also think that he's not going to change his players. He knows all their tools. Um, he knows what they're good at and that's what he's going to give them hundred percent. He's going to let them do it. Um, oh, postseason Tim. He, Oh, my brain is, it's been a long day. Um, I would say that he is going to let his players be who they are, but he is going to put them in situations that he knows that they've like worked on. But again, he's going to study every single team and he's going to figure out a way to score. He's going to figure out a way. She looks this way when the ball goes back to the pitcher. This girl always turns this way. Take like, that's just who he is. I don't know. Postseason team different. He's not going to try to out hit anybody. I don't think he's just going to figure out how can I score a run, whatever it takes hundred percent. That's who he is. That's what's going to happen. That's what has to happen for him. Well, it'll certainly be interesting if he does go yeah. up against his former assistant. Uh, they actually did go up against each other once before that did not go very well for us. I was there. Yeah. I was there. That, that was rough. Yo, I, I know you were happy to a degree for Coach Gajewski, but I'm happy for him because he's such a good. But like, I don't want to lose. Yeah, <laughs> I don't sure. Want to lose, like in general. But if um, someone else had to win, I guess you would say it may as well be him. That that's your that's your feeling. Yeah, and also like Oklahoma has Coach Rocha, like my my angel on earth. Like she is the reason why I am who I am as a player today. 100%. Coach Walton, Coach Rocha, Coach G as a person, but like Coach Rocha and, you know, Coach Walton had a huge impact on like me as a player. So it's hard to rule against them too. <laughs> These are great programs and they all have a little piece of my heart. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to vote against uh, someone like Jocelyn Allo too at the same oh time. God. But yeah. 
Oh, well, <sighs> I guess there's nothing else to do but just sit back and, yeah. and wait and see. Um, yeah. Lauren, I, I mean, I, you're, you're, you're a coach now. I know you, you have a lot of, um, I know you have a lot to do with, with the youth and the next generation of, of, of softball players. Hopefully some will come our way at university of Florida, but, um, before we go, tell tell our audience a little bit more exactly about what it is you do and, and, and how exactly you are you are coaching up these kids. Yeah, um, so I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've lived here for you know going on four years now. I work at a a facility that Kelsey Bruder opened, who is a former Florida Gator great um, softball Gator great. I do mainly pitching instruction and some hitting instruction, but I also coach travel ball for a group with a group of high school kids. Um, this is year going on year three for me with them. And I love what I do. I love youth sports. I think travel ball is really fun. It's a hot mess at times, but I like that I'm able to prepare them. I like that I'm able to be with the youth because there's just not a lot, I feel like, of girls who've had a great experience from coaching, you know, from being players to coaching in travel ball. Um, I am blessed with the situation that I'm in. My head coach is amazing. The, my girls are amazing. They're good people. Their parents are great. And I think that I'm very, very blessed in that regard. But um, that's kind of what I'm doing now, traveling all around the country with this group of girls. You know, we have seven, six, seven Division One commits right now, and they're we have more to come with some 2024s and a 2025. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the summer brings, but that's what I'm doing now. Traveling, giving lessons every day, ranging from ages eight to 18. And it's a good time. I really enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. We're definitely lucky to have, in my opinion, the goat of, of Gator softball uh, coaching them up. I'm sure that you can definitely share no shortage of stories and experiences with them and, and, uh, and inspire them to be the best that they can be. So Lauren, I, I understand it was hard for you to make predictions, but it was definitely something I enjoyed. I think it's something our listening audience will enjoy. Miserable. <laughs> huh? Sorry. No, that was miserable. That's no. so hard to do. No, no, no. But I it mean, was fun. Hey, it's it's what we do um, on, on every on every preview show. Um, we, we I will say Redell Anthony had had a problem when we had him. I think for the twenty twenty Florida Georgia game, uh, former Florida wide receiver. He he was having a hard time making predictions because he didn't um, want to pick against Florida. Florida won that game, but he he was having some difficulty. So you're not the only one to struggle in that regard. Uh, well, that's good to know. Multiple, multiple Gator legends have had have had that issue, but uh, I mean, hey, it's something that we have to do, and it's something that that we hope. Um, I am right on in the first game and wrong on in the second game. Um, we'll just have to see. But, but Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you so so much for your time. Uh, hey, Florida's softball program after this year isn't going anywhere. They'll be good for years to come, I imagine, and. Uh, and, you know, if Florida wins and, and we have a, a, a postseason natty to celebrate, or even if they get to the national title series and we have to talk about them again, we would love to have you back and talk about them some more. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. And thanks for challenging me as an alumni to make some hard decisions. <laughs> um, but it was really fun. I appreciate it. And I'd love to be back whenever you'd like to have me. Well, we hopefully we have a natty to discuss soon. And in that case, we would – 
I mean, it's not even a judgment call. We will have you back in that case. So, uh, Lauren, thank you. We, we will be definitely be cheering on the Gators um, in front of you. Are you there? Are you? Are you no, be- I'm in Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're not. Okay. Um, well, all right, then we will definitely be cheering on the Gators in front of our respective TV screens. Uh, hey, here's hoping that, that we get some wins for our, for our cheering efforts. Oh, and if they beat Oklahoma State, I'm there. I'm there. And I'm going to go. Tweeting at you, telling you that I was right. And I love if I'm it. Wrong. I'm turning my Twitter off. <laughs> that is that is the uh, that I guess that is the, the move that I would make too. So I, I cannot yeah. say that I fall. Except I have a job to, to you know tweet about them regardless in all kinds of weather. Has the same goes, mm-hmm. but um, I guess I'll have no other choice. But uh, yeah, Lauren, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. And uh, go Gators. Go Gators. Thank you so much. We'll see ya.